And, and I, I just discovered that Jerry and Rose are not in Indiana with family this weekend. So I can put Jerry on the spot, brother. Tuesday's your wedding anniversary. How many years? Five years. Congratulations. And if, and if you come here very long, guys, they, they know to be prepared so that they don't have to start counting and get in trouble with their wives. Because so, I put them on the spot, whoever it is, whenever. We'd like to also welcome some visitors today. And Tim, Tim and Dixie are here with us today. And um, also Joy, and I see Ruthie's with us. Uh, Tim, uh, Tim's dad was the pastor here for 14 years uh, back in the day. Uh, from what was it 72 to 82 something like that and then again in the 90s from 90 92 to 96 something like that and uh, he, he calls me every June or texts me and asks me if I want a week off and what preacher isn't going to say yes to that right but he, he comes and uh, preaches and is going to bring us the word from the gospel of John today welcome Tim thank you Thanks, Pastor. It's always great to be back here. And uh, all four of the uh, Reed teenagers graduated from the high school down the road, and my mom and dad uh, ministered for 50 years, and this was always their favorite church. Uh, at least that's what we say in each church we go to. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you're the favorite. So uh, it's been a while since I've been here, uh, back when this shirt actually fit comfortably. And uh, or was that last year? I'm not sure, but uh, it's been a long year. So my lovely wife's here. She just uh, retired yesterday from uh, teaching after 40-some years. And uh, she, uh, she's, we live in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, it's such a lovely place in the desert. And uh, we love it out there. <laughs> and uh, so we enjoy coming back. And... Uh, She's had a tremendous impact on young people's lives for years. Uh, you probably remember some of your teachers uh, for good things and other reasons. Uh, but uh, she's had a tremendous impact. And of course, dealing with children during the day and then coming home to me at night, I pray for the poor soul, OK? <laughs> a lot of adolescent behavior going on there. But uh, my lovely sister is with me today. Uh, some of you know she's been going through a battle with cancer, just went through her um, uh, chemotherapy and radiation. And uh, she has kids and grandkids, and uh, God's really used her with those kids. And, and then she has a number of patients that live in her home uh, through the years that uh, she takes care of. And so continue to pray for joy. And then, Mom, it's good to see you. And uh, usually when I preach, she, gets, uh, she has another church to go to. <laughs> And uh, she always says, uh, I've heard that one before, and it's really not that good. So, so you're lucky she showed up today. So maybe this one's going to be, you know, never mind. So how many of you have ever had a misunderstanding? Okay, that's most of us. Uh, in today's theme, there's many misunderstandings, but I want to take you to a couple. Uh, in my years, uh, 40 plus years of marriage and ministry, uh, I've pulled some bonehead stunts, but remember when uh, the phones first came out and uh, we uh, started texting and uh, some of us didn't know what we were doing. 
and some of you said yesterday you sent the wrong text, you know, so you know what I'm talking about. But uh, I don't know why I got that feeling. Uh, I think it was uh, we were digging through a closet and we found our old box of love letters that we had sent to each other when we were dating in the 70s, okay? We both went to, she grew up in Quincy, Illinois, and I grew up up here, and we met at Cornerstone University down in Grand Rapids. And uh, through that time, we didn't have the, the texting and all that kind of stuff, so we had to actually write a letter. I don't know if you younger ones know what that is, but it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool, okay? And uh, the, uh, we found this box of all these love letters, and I was like, you know, we've dated four years, and then we've been married 42, and I'm just like looking at these and like, who wrote some of these, you know? And I couldn't believe, I mean, guys, back then I really had game, I'm telling you. I, I wrote some stuff that I couldn't even believe. But the further you go in your relationship, what happens sometimes? You get busy, you get crazy in life, and you leave a little bit of the romance out. Well, one day when the phones first came and the texts were there and I saw all my students, you know, sending their girlfriends text. So right after class one time, I'm teaching at the Bible College there in Phoenix and I wrote my wife a, a sweet little text. I said, hey, baby, I love you. You're beautiful. I uh, can't wait till we go out on our hot date tonight, blah, blah, blah. So I sent it to her at the school and a few hours later, I look at my phone and she hasn't texted back. And I thought, well, she's busy. You know, maybe during the break, she'll send me a nice text back, you know. Um, and she never did. So after lunch, I looked at my phone and there was nothing from her, but there was a uh, text from others, you know, students and staff and people that I'd texted before. And, and then there was one on there that I hadn't texted for a while. His name was Chad Johnson. He was the chaplain of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, uh, and so you know where this is going. So <laughs> I open up the text from Chad Johnson and it's like, hey Tim, love you too, man. Are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I gotta learn how to do this stuff. And uh, we've all had those kind of things. Well, I'll give you one more. The, uh, a family uh, was checking on their daughter at my college, and they always would check with me and say stuff. You know, is she okay? Is everything? Your daughter's fine, you know. She's safe. She's growing in the Lord. Things are good. Well, when they sent a text, I was rushing. You ever rush somewhere and you try to text at the same time? So all I did, I mean, try to figure out how you could mess this up, guys. All I did was write, driving now call later. That's all I wrote. How do you mess that up? So I called them uh, after my meeting and they're cracking up on the phone. And I'll just be, you know, truthful. These aren't super happy people, okay? They don't laugh a lot, okay? And they're pretty legalistic, pretty straight, pretty whatever you want to say. And they're laughing their heads off. And I'm just like, is everything okay? And they're like, yeah, it is now. Um, we realize that we're helicopter parents and, and we need to stop worrying about our kid and bothering you all the time because it's kind of dr driven you off the edge. And I was like, what? And she, she goes, oh, you don't know what you did. Check your text. So, 
I pull over, I check my texts, and instead of saying driving now, uh, call later, it says drinking now, call later. <laughs> and and they, they both said, if you're drinking this early in the morning, we're not doing very good. <laughs> we're really harassing you. Well, we've all had misunderstandings, but when it comes to freedom, there's tons of misunderstandings. We have people that, you know, in every aspect of freedom, right, that make excuses. We have freedom in Christ, and people are like, well, I don't know about church, and I don't know about God, because there's a lot of people there that are kind of hypocritical, and they're flaky, and, and, and whatever. So we get a misunderstanding of what true Christianity is. Folks, focus on Jesus, man. Focus on Jesus. The one that's high and lifted up. The way, the truth, the life. He's the, the one to look, look at, focus. Don't focus on people. We as Christians need to do a better job and a better example. Amen? Amen. But that's not a reason to believe or not to believe. I remember when I started to put on a little bit of weight, I went to the gym to work out, and I looked around, and I saw people that were worse than me. I could have easily said, why would I come back to this gym? It's obviously not working for these people, okay? <laughs> and that's what people do about Christianity in the church sometimes. They base everything on people. Well, the same thing with our freedoms in our country. Well, Tim, you know, this is going on in our country, and that's... I know. I understand that. But we need to celebrate and be thankful for our faith, even though Christians aren't perfect, Jesus is. We need to celebrate what's going on in our country because of the freedoms that we have, even though things aren't perfect. It's not one or the other. You can be thankful and appreciative of what our military has done, what our people have done in losing their lives and fighting for our freedom and be thankful, but still turn around and pray that we improve in areas of our country today. Amen? It's a balance. And see, the media and the people in the world want us to choose one side or the other. No, much of life is in the middle. It's in the middle, okay, of understanding what's going on in the world, not allowing the misunderstanding. Someone said, is it hard to share your faith today even as a pastor? And I said, yeah, because i got to spend 30 minutes telling the people what I'm not because what they've heard from the media of what I am. I don't know about you, but uh, it's time for us to realize that we are the ones. After all he's done for us and loved us and forgave us, we have in turn brought love and forgiveness to the world. Don't let people tell you what a Christian is when they don't know. I have a lot of my friends in education, and I travel the world speaking, and they always say the same thing. Well, what about this in the Bible, and what about that? I love when people are critics of something they've never read, okay? They've never read. When you read the word, you see what? You stand for truth, but you do it with grace. What did it say about Jesus? Full of grace and truth. Some of you have truth friends that beat everybody over the head with the gospel, and you're kind of like, whoa, read the entire scripture, okay? That Jesus did it with grace. He treated people with respect, and he loved people in a unique way. You can still stand for what's right and still do it in a graceful manner. We can still share love with those that we disagree with. 
Some of you that are my age or older know what I'm talking about. We used to have friends that were on the opposite side politically as us, and we'd argue for a while, and then we'd go do whatever we wanted to do, but we agreed to disagree, and it wasn't that big of a deal. Because what was most important? God, his word, relationships, family. And now unfriend this family member because they disagree with me politically. And I'm not sure that really makes a difference for God. That's why Jesus didn't come as a political leader. He wants us involved in politics, but he didn't come as one because he knew it would divide more than what he wanted. He wanted to bring the gospel to everyone. So I challenge you this morning to live the faith and share the faith. Appreciate what you have in the freedoms of being a Christian, but take care of the responsibilities of being a Christian. Improve. Improve. Be thankful and appreciative of what you have as an American, but pray and get active to improve the things that you feel uh, are not right. Let's close in prayer. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> I want to take you to the scripture because God always says it better than I do. So here's the thing. As we come to this today, I want you to think about it. How appreciative am I? How clearly do I understand what my freedoms are? Or are these misunderstandings really messing with my mind? And then what am I going to do about it? To improve my church. To improve my marriage. To improve my workplace and today we would say to improve our country to make it better well let's look at some of the scriptures if you have your bible open it up to page 1630 if you have a red bible and how many believe all bibles should be read You'll get that right after lunch. <laughs> you say, how can you say that? You have a black Bible. We should read. All of our Bibles should be read, right? Okay, follow with me if you would. So Jesus was saying to those in John 8, 31 to 36. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth, what? Will make you free. Okay? They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not return in the house forever, the sun does remain forever. So if the sun makes you free, you will be free indeed. So let's go back up to uh, 31 and let's walk through it. Jesus was saying to the Jews what? If you continue in my word. My challenge to you today is we follow men and women a lot. Well, I go to this church. I go to that church. And you know what's interesting? I don't know if it's this way here, but in California and Arizona and Colorado, they don't even name the name of their church. They name the name of their pastor. I go to John MacArthur's church. Back then, I went to Chuck Swindoll's church, or I went to this person's church. 
They don't even call it. No, I'll be honest with you. It's God's church, okay? We tend to follow men and women, and that's great, but what did Paul say? Follow me as I follow Christ. Don't make it about me. So what he was saying to them here is basically this. Focus on the word. We focus on people a lot. Focus on the word of God, the truth of God's word. And remain as a disciple of Christ. The thing that I've tried to do the most in my ministry through the years is to share the gospel with everyone that we've come in contact with in 20 or 30 countries and all the states in the lower 48, wherever I've been, okay? To try to live it, to try to share it. But even beyond that, as they come to faith, to take a few. What did Jesus do? He spoke to the multitudes, but he invested in a few. And I challenge you to speak to the multitudes when you can. But we think that's the biggest deal. But what did Jesus do with his three and a half years? He invested in a few. Invested in a few. He got close. Earlier in John, it says actually this, that he took his disciples out into the wilderness and spent time with them. In the original language, spending time means rubbing off, getting under one's skin. Rubbing off, getting under one's skin. To be close to Jesus. To find out how he walked, talked, act, lived, and modeling after him and him only. As we think of discipleship, very important that we're investing in a few. It doesn't matter if you're a businessman uh, or like my mentor Howard Hendricks used to say this. People expect it from those of us that are in ministry because we're paid to be good. Okay? He'd always say that. The best testimony in the community is the businessman who lives with integrity. The businessman who holds his family together and uh, loves his kids and goes to their games and activities. See, they expect it out of the minister. Pastor, you and I are paid to be good. These people are good for nothing. Okay? It's just, that didn't sound right. But, but you know what I'm saying. And uh, Howard used to always say that, but I got his point. His point is, there's an expectation from the world they expect it out of men of the cloth or whatever you want to call it, right? You and I need to keep living in shirt. When we blow it, we admit it, we apologize, we move on. The world doesn't need angels. The world needs to see human beings that are marred and human, like you and me. We don't have to be perfect to be a testimony for Christ. Now, I'll tell you something interesting. Um, I've come back to almost every one of my high school reunions. And, uh, and I can say it publicly now, because it's been so many, that every one that I've come back, 5, 10, 15, 20, whatever, all the way up to wherever we are now, okay? Few more come to faith. Few more come to faith. Few more come to faith. I remember in the first couple of reunions, People would say, I now understand what you were talking about back in high school. I needed to party with my friends. I needed to find my way with money. I needed to find a, a good relationship. And then I realized with all of those things, happiness did not follow. I needed something to fill that void in my life. See, it's not just about, well, I'm a sinner and I want to go to heaven. It's about a relationship with Christ 
that can bring about forgiveness, hope, freedom, power, wisdom that you need to live life today, which is very complicated. When I went through a little time of pride, then I became a parent, okay? And once you become a parent and a grandparent, uh, you become extremely humble, okay? Because you see this little free will running around. And most of their problems are due to the mother's side, obviously. But um, I saw four guys go like that. No, don't. No. We don't have a video camera. So, uh, But the point is what? It's humbling. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Remember back in college when it was really cool? Back when you knew everything? Okay, you remember that? And then as we grew, all of a sudden we go, man, this, there's more to life than this. And you become extremely humble and dependent on the Lord. When you have kids, you pray your face off. Okay? And you also drive a little differently. I remember the first time I'm driving down the road and my son leans over the back and he's like, uh, Dad, isn't the speed limit? Shut up, kid. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, out loud. <laughs> but it's funny. You have kids and you have little Holy Spirits. I didn't know there was more than one Holy Spirit. You have kids, you have multiple Holy Spirits telling you, Daddy said a bad word. Okay, there's the cussing jar right there, you know. Um, this is life, is learning that discipleship, did I know how to be a parent some from the godly parents that I had, great example, but I had to learn some of that on my own and make those mistakes and be humble and trust God. But truly, you are disciples of him. If you stay in the word, stay accountable, keep growing, and don't let all this distraction stuff around you keep you from what you're doing. I would say, people ask me all, all these questions all the time, my students would always say, you know, with COVID and with you know, all the political, you know, crud that went on for all these years, you know, what do you think about it? I said, the biggest thing is Satan's just been happy. Because we've gotten so distracted that we're not focused on reading the word, listening to Christian music, laughing more in our family, spending time with children, exercising together, doing things for the kingdom, serving the poor, serving those that are they're widowed and, and hurting. Spending time as disciples of Christ, caring for the needs of the world, sharing the gospel with people around us. It's so easy to get caught up in all of this and we get distracted. You see in the horse races, how they have those little blinders on. You always wonder, is that? Well, the reason is if they start looking this way and that way, they stop running that way. And that's what's happened to a lot of us. We need to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, moving towards what? Sharing the gospel, discipling others, meeting the needs of people. And sometimes we need the blinders of God's word on us to keep us from looking around and getting so, well, this is going on in the world. This is going on at the church and this is happening. Coming back to the focus. Well, let's go to the next verse. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. When you study the scripture, what's the Bible say? Faith cometh by? Hearing. 
and hearing by the word of God. And this is part of the problem. Even my wife said to me one day years ago, she said, you're having a kind of a tough day. Have you been listening to a lot of talk radio? That was her response. Very intuitive question. Nothing wrong with listening to talk radio, especially sports talk radio, right? But um, the bottom line is, find myself getting a little bit edgy about it and angry about it. All the things that the Bible talks about when we focus on things of the world, this is what begins to happen in our life. So bring your eyes back, keep those blinders on, know the truth of the word of God. What does God want us to do? What's he say? Keep it simple. 66 books, right? Keep it simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Love God above all. Love your neighbor. What's the next part to it? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. Keep it simple. You want to honor and glorify God? Then love him and love others and disciple the people that you are investing in, these few people that you invest. Speak to many, but invest in a few. Invest in a few. A lot of times we get caught up in ministry. How many people are in our church or how many people are at our university or how many of this, that, and we miss the point. Point is investing in a few and then letting it go. You know, one of the coolest things is when I hear back from my students with emails and texts. I remember the first time one of my college students texted me that summer after his freshman year of college. I'm working at camp this summer, and I got a chance to talk to a boy whose parents divorced. He was going through a depressing time, kind of fell into drugs and alcohol, and he wants to turn his life to the Lord, and I was able to pray and help him come to Christ. It was such an amazing thought. And what was cool for me is to grandfather this in, so to speak, to be able to pass it through the generations. We spent a little time with a doctor friend of ours in uh, Milwaukee the last couple of nights, and uh, he's about my age. He's, he's moving into semi-retirement, and, and we were asking each other what we were doing, and it was the same identical thing. He's spending time with doctors that are 20, 30 years in that are discouraged and ready to quit. And he's encouraging them and telling them, man, you're making a difference. I believe in you. Stick with it. But he's also going down to the first-year students in med school. And he's investing in their lives. And I thought, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm going around to my ministry students. Um, a lot of depression with pastors with missionaries, with people that are involved in counseling, people that are uh, involved in the medical field. But you know who's been depressed a lot lately? Is educators, principals. Some of my principal friends are quitting. All the stuff that's happened in the last four or five years. So my job is to encourage in them and believe in them and you're making an impact in people's lives. Don't quit in what you're doing. But then I turn around and I try to go down to the young freshmen, start to build in them the ones that are on their way. So I challenge you, wherever you are, some of us that are my age and older, we, we start maybe sliding for home a little bit too soon. 
And God still has some plans for us. Okay? God still had, well, my kids don't want to listen to me. Hey, our kids have never listened to us. Hello? Okay? <laughs> Why are you thinking that that's going to change? Okay? The bottom line is, they are listening more than you think. In our example, as we share, I love being able to build into my grandkids. I love to be able to sugar them up and send them home. I love to be able to, to build into the younger ones. But you know what? I gotta keep getting into the work to see what the truth of God's word is, the value, okay? Well, let's wrap it up. They answered him, were Abraham's descendants that have never yet been enslaved. What were they saying here? What were they really saying here? We don't understand what you're talking about being a slave to something. That was not in our society. And what's Jesus saying in the next verse? That all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for us. He's trying to let them know that we were enslaved to sin. Now, let me take you back to the Old Testament. They made poor choices, and so God allowed them to go into bondage in Egypt. Remember that? And then they decided that they would repent of their sin, and God allowed them to come out of Egypt. But even on the way out of Egypt, they're thinking, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Because even living in sin, in bondage, there's some comfort to it. But we live way below what God would have for us. But once they were set free and they sang and they got excited and they laughed again and they got away from the bondage, the freedom was, was just unbelievable. Well, it's the same thing that you and I have of living to ourselves or in our sin, it can enslave us. And to be truly set free, okay, you will become free, is what? When I confess my sin, when I repent of my sin, when I believe that Jesus died and rose again, it's not about good works, it's not about turning over a new leaf, it's about giving my life to Christ, letting him. It's always been faith alone in Christ alone. It's never been about me. I have people say, well, we move churches here and we move churches there. And what they're really saying is, I want to find a church that's going to please me. And I don't know. I just didn't grow up that way. I grew up with, I go to church to worship God, listen to his word, and go live a different life because I met God face to face. I see his holiness and my sin, and I fall on my face and confess. He forgives. And because of his forgiveness for me, I can offer forgiveness to other people. I think one of the biggest problems that we have right here of being enslaved and not free is in the area of bitterness, in the area of fear, in the area of what? Guilt of our past decisions. We are so uh, restricted and caught, we can't go forward because of the stupid things we've done in the past. And God said, I forgave you of that. I've set you free of that. Don't live in the past. Okay? Last time I was here with you, I said what? Choose joy. Crazy people in the world, crazy circumstances, but you have a choice. You have a choice. You can let them embitter you and drag you down and make you negative, or you can choose to be free. 
I ask you this morning, choose to be free. Choose freedom in the midst of enslavement that goes on in our world today. And what people are trying to tell you you are or you're not. You will become free. You make that choice. You make that choice. In our family, we've had to do the same thing. We've, you know, realized that we're sinners. God has forgiven us. We need to show that grace and forgiveness to other people. Now you say, how does that work? Well, here's how it works. God is still going to judge people who have hurt you according to his will. But we need to forgive to be set free. I have people that are close to my age that are still blaming their dad for everything. Still blaming their parents' divorce when they were 12. It stinks what happened back then in the abuse or the divorce or the frustration or the hurt. It stinks. I'm not downplaying that. Life stinks sometimes, but God is good and he can bring you through it. Because he's given you that forgiveness and freedom. Experience it, appreciate it, and then spread it. Of letting someone else free. Our family's no different than yours. We've had abuse in our family. We've had people attack. Um, we've had different kinds of craziness, that, things that are unfair. But you know what? You can only live so long being angry at them. And it affects you. As opposed to saying, God, you're in control. You take care of this mess. I'm going to let it go. Forgiveness doesn't mean what you did was okay. Forgiveness means I'm not letting you control me any longer. We're letting it go. And so I challenge you today, whether it's holding on to Egypt, the past. I know so many people that say, well, Tim, you don't know my past. God can't forgive me. You don't know my past. I can't go forward. Some of the best authors, some of the best communicators, some of the best teachers, preachers, are people that have been through some really rough times or made really poor decisions for a period of time, and they learned from it, God forgave them, they still paid the consequences, and they moved on, and f what? Became free. Well, the last two are pretty simple. Truly I say what? Everyone who commits in the next verse, the slave does not remain in the house. What, what does 36 say? So if the son makes you free, you are free indeed. So there's no sense in going back and saying, well, I know you're there, God, but... I know you're there, God, but... No. I know you're there, God, and you have forgiven my past. Are there consequences to some of those things? Yeah. But we begin to move from that process. I want to close with this. A few years back, um, I was asked... Uh, to take a basketball team into the Jackson prison, the largest walled prison in America. Um, and so I got a team together. This was back, for those of you, this is back when I was taller and better looking. And, uh, but I took a team in to, and we played their team inside the prison. Then when it was over, we sat all the prisoners down, a few hundred of them were in there at that time, and we shared the gospel of Christ. And when I got done, one of the guys thought he would help me out. He stood up and says, I'm more free than you are. And I said, 
awesome. Can you explain it to your friends? He said, you can go out of this prison, and I can't. But a lot of people on the outside, even though they're not in a prison, per se, because of their choices, they're still enslaved to sin. They're not free. But while he was in prison, he came to faith. And it changed his life. And a bunch of the other guys stood up and said, I knew this guy when he came in, Tim. He's for real. Some people come in and say, oh, I, I believe just so that they can try to get out early. This guy's for real. He understands that even though he's behind bars here, he's more free in his life than he's ever been. When he was on the outside, he was always living with that enslavement. And you know, I thought about it when I went in this room and then the bars closed and the doors closed. I went in this room and then take this and that. And then in the last one, they say, we'll take your license. And I said, why are you taking the license? Well, in case there's a, a, a riot, we need to identify the bodies. <laughs> That's always a great thing when you go into the prison ministry. <laughs> Thanks for being honest. Um, but I remember going in and, and playing and sharing and guys praying and crying and dealing with stuff in their past. But when I walked out of there and got out that last gate, there was a sense of real, you know, like, whoo, you know. I think some of us, we're never going to experience that in a physical way by being in prison. But we do sometimes spiritually feel it because we're holding on to things that we need not. He's just trying to say, the sun makes you free. You're free. So I ask you today, would you choose freedom? Choose freedom. First, maybe you've been around the church a little bit, but never just given your life to Christ. All I did, I didn't know everything about the 66 books and all the questions and everything, but I did know this. I knew I was a sinner. I believed Jesus died and rose again, and I'd studied enough to know the proof of Jesus being more proof for Jesus than any other man that's ever lived, more proof for the resurrection, more proof for so many different things. I knew it. So I admitted I was a sinner. I invited Christ in. I didn't know what I was doing necessarily, but I knew the way I was living wasn't working. I dare you to just study the facts about faith and consider giving your life to Christ. Those of you that have been Christians for a while and maybe just kind of, you know, just kind of faded away during this last few years with all the craziness going on, um, I ask you to come back and choose freedom. Let go of the anger. Let go of the guilt. Let go of the fear. Let go of the doubt. And just focus on Christ only, his word. Let him set you free so you can love your family more. You can love your spouse more. You can make an impact in your job and everything that you do. God, I thank you this morning for the privilege to know you. Thank you for who you are, God. Thank you for what you've done on the cross and the empty tomb. Thank you for who we are in you. It's, we aren't just about our jobs, about our degrees, about our finances. 
Our identity is in you and you only. Set us free today. Give us your forgiveness. Help us to appreciate what we have in our country and pray for change, but appreciate what we have. So unbelievable. The same thing in the church, Lord. To appreciate our pastor, appreciate our church, and realize it's not perfect, and pray and work to make it better, to improve. Lord, the same thing in our marriage, or wherever we're at. So we commit that to you, and we say, Jesus, we love you, we appreciate you, thank you for the freedoms in our life and in our country. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, folks.